Praise the Lord. It's too quiet in here. Somebody say praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Yes, indeed. We are Pentecostal in the house. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say hello to the person sitting next to you. Tell them you are happy to see them. And mean that when you say it. Praise the Lord. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We want to praise and worship God because we understand who he is and the value of his presence in our lives. There's just a few things that I have to share with you this morning. Tuesday, October 24th is our Tuesday morning prayer here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. If you're able, please, please uh, be here that morning. Saturday, October 28th was a ranch day in Loranger from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And on Saturday, November 4th, we will have our family not outside. Please bring your drinks and your lawn chairs. And finally, uh, November 5th, we will have uh, we will honor all of our veterans here at Grace because we do appreciate them. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Y'all been sitting enough. Praise the Lord. You love the Lord this morning. Then let's show him that in your let's let's worship the Lord this morning.
Sunday morning to worship the Lord with us. We're certainly thankful for everyone that's here. Our guests today, welcome. We appreciate seeing you today uh, so very much in the house of the Lord. There is a very sweet presence of the Lord here today, and I'm thankful that He is here. Thank the Lord. I want to take a moment uh, today before I uh, bring to you the Word of God that uh, we have some exciting things happening with our young people and uh, <clears throat> I'm, I thank God every day for such a wonderful amazing group of young people uh, that God has blessed this church with and I certainly applaud their parents thank the Lord it's great to see uh, all of our young people here today well some pretty cool things are happening um, this, this up and coming school year uh, we've had a couple of our young people that wanted to uh, start a what they call a P7 club at their high school. That's where before school begins uh, in the mornings, they would uh, teach a Bible study to any of the student body that wants to come. Um, Braylon uh, is uh, participating in this at his school, and also Lainey Taylor is, uh, is, is doing this at her school as well. And uh, I wanted Lainey to come right now and kind of give you a report of what's happening with her P7 Bible study class at her high school today. Give her some good appreciation as she comes right now. Good morning, Grace Church. I just want to thank Pastor for giving me this opportunity to give a praise report about our P7 Bible study club. But first, what is P7? P stands for project, and the greatest project or mission ever is to tell others about Jesus. And seven stands for the seven years of middle school and high school. So I first felt led to start a P7 club at my school in March of this year. I'd always heard about P7 clubs at camp, uh, you know, and the testimonies and how great they were doing, and I thought that's so awesome, not me. But at statewide, I was praying and I was asking God to use me to reach somebody. And ever since then, P7 was on my heart, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So when I approached my parents and pastor and brother Dave, they said, go for it. We're 100% behind you. It was a long process to get it started in my school, but in the meantime, a fellow apostolic UPCI student of mine had heard about it, and he said, that's so great. I had wanted to start one, too. So now we're partners. And his name is Tyson Cole, and he goes to Brother Michael Cole's church in uh, New Roads. Our first meeting was September 28th, and when I was trying to figure out how many brownies to bring, I said, Tyson, how many people do you think are going to come? And he looked at me, and he looked at his friends, and he counted his fingers, and he said, a uh, solid three people, so me and Riley and Tyson. But three people nonetheless is that we get to, as three people we get to tell about Jesus. But when the doors opened, we had 31 people, 
If you could put the picture on the screen. We talked about God's love and how the God of the whole universe created you and there's nowhere you can go that he isn't. Uh, what everyone told me afterwards was we should have had this earlier. Before the second meeting on October 12th, uh, I was talking to my teacher sponsor and she said, Lenny, what are you gonna do if you run out of chairs? And I said, well, praise the Lord, Miss Jackie. <laughs> uh, so we set out extra chairs this time and we set out about 35 and we had 41 people come. Yes. Our title was You're Worth It, and we handed out pennies and explained that every penny has the same value, no matter its condition, and there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. After the meeting, my teacher pulled me aside with tears in her eyes, and she said, Lenny, you have no idea how y'all are reaching people. One student came up to her and said, uh, Miss Jackie, I, I needed to hear that today. And another student said, I'm going to take my penny to my mirror so that every morning I can see it and be reminded of what they talked about. The feedback from members was so positive that it was asked if we could hold our meetings every week, because at the time we were doing it every other week. So our third meeting was this past Thursday. And right before we started, well, I didn't expect a whole bunch of people to come because there's a lot going at school, on at school that day. But right before the meeting started, some sophomore girls ran and they said, wait, don't start yet all the juniors at the other meeting want to be able to come, so can you please hold up? And so we had 44 people come uh, Thursday, including, yeah, including three or four teachers that had never been before. And after the meeting, there were a few girls, five or six girls hanging around talking with Tyson and I, and they said, can y'all settle an argument we're having uh, about whether or not God and Jesus are the same thing? And this opened up an opportunity for Tyson and I to explain the oneness of God and being baptized in Jesus' name. And I was able to quote scripture that I had learned here in Bible quizzing. Uh, one more thing. One more thing. Our meetings are held during a time when only high school students are come. And so a lot of the middle schoolers were upset that they couldn't attend. And there were Facebook comments and people asking Sister Cole in Walmart. And so a couple of the middle school girls, non-apostolic, went to the principal and wanted to start their own Bible study club. And so he let them skip class and come to our meeting one day just to see how it went. But at the same time, there's a middle school boy at Tyson's church who felt the desire to have a P7 club in middle school. And so Tyson and I are partnering with the three middle schoolers and we're working on getting one started in the middle school soon. Um, but in conclusion, God has been nothing but good and has exceeding expect, exceeded expectations abundantly. So, Grace Church, keep our P7 clubs in your prayers. Pray that the Lord would go before us and open doors. Pray that he would give us opportunities to witness, that he would give Tyson and I boldness and unity in our club, and that we would be obedient to his voice. Pray that we would reach people at every chance we get. Thank you, Pastor, and thank you, Grace Church. How old are you? Let's stand and give the Lord some praise for that, shall we? Everybody stand. Hallelujah. God's moving. God's doing some great things. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. So the moral to this whole story is that Lanny may need some people helping her make brownies. Uh, to feed all of these people that are coming. 
Uh, she mentioned her last one, she had 44 people. I know pastors that would like to have that many in their church on Sunday morning. That's amazing, man, 44 people. Let's pray for them right now that God would anoint her and Braylon and the people that are helping them and bring a mighty revival to their school. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we trust you right now. We believe you right now that your hand is in this and that there are people, there's high school kids, there's middle school kids that are hungry for an outpouring of your spirit in their own life. I pray for Blaney and Braylon, that God, you would anoint them, that you would inspire them, that the Holy Ghost would move on their behalf. Guide them, guide their words, fill their heart, oh God, with wisdom and help them, oh God, introduce Jesus to these people that are hungry for you, not only the students, but the teachers. God, you're working. We thank you for it. We believe you for it. In the name of Jesus, everybody clap your hands one more time to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I believe when Laney was speaking, brother, I believe it was brother Ben said behind me, said, man, she's a good speaker. Uh, she did an excellent job. Thank you for that. And I will remind all of you that she is 16 years old and you'll never know that she was just talking to a room full of people here this morning. She did an amazing job. Thank you, Laney. And we're praying for y'all that God will bring a revival. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Wouldn't it be amazing to hear her come and say that they had about, they had some students receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in their P7 club at their school. Why not? Why not? Thank the Lord. Praise God. Thank you so much. And y'all don't be weary and well-doing. You'll reap if you faint not. Thank the Lord. I want to call your attention to one verse of Scripture. And uh, I have a message that's burning in my heart. It's simple, but it's powerful. Haggai chapter 1. Y'all know where that book is located. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. Uh, Haggai chapter 1, verse 13. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger. And the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning about four words that change everything. Four words that change everything. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I believe there are words that can be spoken to us by other people that are truly life-changing. Does anybody ever remember getting that phone call, that very unexpected phone call that said that a close family member has just passed away? Remember as a child when my, my mother's dad passed away, I could still hear her sobbing on the phone. Uh, I could still hear that in my ear. Uh, you ever had that phone call when you were told that you lost a dear friend in a terrible accident? When you were told that you've just been diagnosed with an incurable disease? When your boss comes in and tells you that your employment is no longer needed? These words change everything. On and on the list can go with that. I remember being at work one morning before we went into ministry. 
It's about 8, 39 o'clock and my neighbor called and said, I don't want to upset you, but your house is on fire. I can tell you where I was and what I was doing. I can even tell you what kind of car I was driving. I remember that as though it were yesterday. I remember when my son Marcus was about 15 years old. He was in the hospital. The doctor came in and said he could not find out what was wrong with him. Marcus had lost about 15 pounds, was curled up in a fetal position, and was dying. I also remember the morning that I got a phone call from a man I never met. I didn't know his name, still don't know his name. But I remember vividly him telling me that my wife had just been hit by a car and was laying out in the middle of Hooper Road just right here about a block down from the church. I'm saying all of that to say that I have, I have some experience hearing words that are life-changing. They're words that you never forget. You never forget the voice, even though you possibly have never met the person that told you those words prior. You usually remember when, when and where you were when you heard those words. But today... I've come to preach to you about four words that are truly life-changing if you have the ear to hear them. It may not come from a human's voice. It may come from somewhere else. But it can come from the voice of a human. There are four words that change the situations in my life that I just described to you. And those same four words can do the same for you if you will allow them to. It's four simple words. It's interesting at how simple these words are to the point that each one of these words only contain one syllable. Four one-syllable words. These four words change everything when the one who speaks these words is God. God told Haggai to tell the people, I am with you. That's it. That's it. When God speaks those words to our hearts, everything changes. Even the harshest of situations have to succumb to the promises and power of God. These Four words changed the life of a frightened Jacob in the Old Testament who was a cheater and a liar and a deceiver whose brother wanted to murder him. These four words changed everything for him even as running for his life he was facing a very uncertain future. He listened to his mother again. His mother was the one behind all this trouble he was in to start with. And now his mother said to leave and go to my brother's house, his uncle Laban. And now he is facing a very uncertain future. A wrongly, excuse me, a wrongfully imprisoned employee. 
accused of sexual assault by the wife of a very influential man survived that because of those four words. His name was Joseph in the Old Testament. These four one-syllable words, I am with you, made a deciding difference in every one of these situations. They, they even changed everything for a very young, insignificant teenage girl named Mary in the New Testament. No matter what your situation might be, everybody listen to pastor today. Even when you're disgruntled, we have some disgruntled people here today. We have some very excited people here today. We have depressed people here today. We have people suffering with anxiety here today. You, you, you can go the whole cross-section of things that can affect people physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. These four words can change the perspective of your life right now, whatever it is, if you have an ear to hear. I believe when God speaks to anybody and says, I am with you, it should change everything going on in your mind. It may not change a thing going on around you. It may not possess a miracle. It may not possess an answer. It may not answer all of your questions and solve all of your problems. But there's not a greater assurance anybody on this planet could be given right now than to hear God whisper in your ear, no matter what tomorrow holds for you, be rest assured of this one thing. I'm going to be there for you every step of the way. These four words not only provide encouragement, listen to me today, they not only provide encouragement, but they provide for you a very certain, a very specific destiny if you hear them, embrace them, and then follow the leading of God's presence. God's presence is all you need in any situation, and your reliance on Him will make you a victor no matter what else happens in your life. I prayed for Israel last night and I felt it was kind of redundant that God be with them right now, I prayed. I had this message in the back of my mind, I'll confess that. And it's like God said, do you think I'm not? Do you think I'm not going to be? And I want to apply that to everyone here today. If your faith is solid in God, if your faith is solid in the Word of God, you don't even have to hear Him say that. You ought to be able to feel that He is with you, to be able to sense that His presence is around you. Even when you've sinned, I just mentioned Jacob. He found that those same four words provided encouragement and a sense of destiny. All of us know Jacob here today. He, the one who connived away his brother's birthright and then outright stole his brother's birthright blessing at the hands and the assistance of his mother, 
He had to run away from his home country to escape his brother's wrath and live the rest of his life until he was reconciled with Esau, lived the rest of a number of years, some 20 plus years of his life, looking over his shoulder because Esau wanted to kill him. I don't know of anybody here today living under that circumstance. But it was while Jacob slept on a pillow of stone, enveloped with uncertainty, he had a dream, and he began to wrestle with an angel. And he heard the voice of God. And God assured him that he was God. And the only way Jacob could really relate to that is I'm the God of your father and I'm the God of Abraham. Um, he said, I just, I, I don't know what else to say, Jacob. But when you wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. God told him, when you wake up in the morning, I am going to be with you. And not only that, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Then the frightened runaway hears the voice of God say to him in Genesis 28, 15, Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all the places where thou goest. And I will bring you back again to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. God makes a promise to you and I, and he sticks by it. When Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, he meant it. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many times you succeed. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. The presence of God is there to lift you up and to keep you in safekeeping until his purpose is done in your life. Jacob could testify throughout the rest of his life through the ups and downs, through the good times, the bad, through all of his sins, through all of his mistakes, through all of his sorrows. Jacob knew one thing for certain, that God is with him. If you are alone and afraid and running from something here today, God has sent me with a message for you to tell you that God, no matter how you feel, no matter what you perceive in your mind, no matter what's happened yesterday and what may happen tomorrow, God wants somebody to know here today that the presence and power of God is still with you no matter what. I'm confident we know the story of Joseph of the Old Testament today. According to Genesis 39 verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. Joseph was promoted to the top position in Potiphar's house. He was doing quite well until Mrs. Potiphar developed a crush on him. When he resisted her passes, she turned on him in those bitter and ugly way. She accused Joseph of carnal misconduct and had him put in jail. I don't know how she could live with herself after that, but she did. But through it all, God was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. There's people here today that have been through similar situations where you, family member, was falsely accused and you're dealing with the stigma of that even to this day. But it doesn't mean that God is not with you. Maybe you've been treated unjustly. 
Perhaps you are in a situation that seems hopeless. Don't give up. Don't allow the seed of bitterness to plant its ugly likeness in your heart. Joseph refused to declare himself a helpless victim. He refused to waste all of his energy hating his brothers and Potiphar's wife. He had the same promise that you and I have today. Four words, four simple words, four one-syllable words that made all the difference in his life. No matter what the situation, God says, I am with you. Even when it seems like I'm not, I'm still there. Joseph had such an understanding of God's promise. He had such an understanding of God's plan that he was willing to tell everyone who had done him wrong. He ended up telling his brothers when they were finally reconciled, when he was second in command in Egypt, one of the most powerful men in that known part of the world, he told his brothers, you meant it for bad, you meant it for bad. You meant it for bad, you wanted to destroy me. You want to destroy my reputation. You wanted to destroy my life, my future, my destiny. You want to destroy everything about me. You lied to my father. You you were a horrible, evil people. You meant it for bad. You intended it to be bad. You wanted it to be bad. You planned for it to be bad. But God was with me, and he took all the wrong that you did and made something good out of it. Somebody's not listening. You're not listening today. God is still with you. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in your life, God is with you. Joseph set a precedent in this horrible time he was living in. And he proved this. That even when you've thrown in, been thrown in jail unjustly, still can't keep you from success. Even in jail, he succeeded in unjust actions on the part of others. Unjust actions on the part of others cannot keep God from fulfilling his plan in your life. You forgive. And you go on. You forgive. And you go on. You forgive. And you go on. Okay. One more time. You forgive. And you go on. That's what you do. That's what you do. Why? Not so you'll look like the hero, neither so so you'll look like the martyr. You forgive and go on because God is with you. That's the game changer. That's what makes the difference. Knowing and understanding the power that is in the promise of those four words will change everything in the way you view life. Those four words is liberating. It's liberating knowledge. You are not trapped in a victim mentality. You are free to succeed no matter what your debilitating circumstances may be. You are one who understands that God is on your side and that he has a plan for your life. We we often quote the scripture, if God be for me, then who can be against me until everybody is? Or it feels that way sometimes. 
But with the knowledge of those four words, I am with you, you can overcome disappointment, you can overcome hardship, you can overcome hurt, you can overcome bitterness, you can overcome depression, you can overcome all of that. When you face things in life that seem to be insurmountable, those four words change everything. The children of Israel once fell so far into sin, they became idolaters. They backslid. They were backsliders on steroids. They fell into worldliness, idolatry, adultery, you name it. And God allowed them to be conquered by Babylon. This would actually be Judah, the southern kingdom. And they were carried off into exile. After 70 years in Babylon, they were allowed to return back to their homeland. And when they did, they worked feverishly on their own personal gain, building nice homes, cultivating the land. But somehow or another, they overlooked the temple of God. I want to preach here in just a moment. They left God's temple in ruins. I want everybody to listen. And no matter how hard they worked for success, they could never quite get ahead. Something always went wrong after they returned from Babylon. So God sent the prophet Haggai to tell them what the problem was. Through Haggai, the Lord condemned their selfishness and their mixed up priorities. He told them to start working on the house of God and to start worshiping Him again. If they didn't, they would fail in everything they would attempt to do. Israel heard that. They realized their sin. They repented and obeyed Haggai's message. And the Bible said they feared the Lord. Was it all too little too late? Would God forgive them and give them another chance? Hearing the questions, God prompted Haggai, Haggai to preach the shortest sermon you'll find in the entire Bible. Some of you probably wished I'd have just stopped with a verse. Just called it a sermon, God bless you, and we'll see you Wednesday. But I'm not Haggai here today. God spoke to him and told him to tell the children of Israel, I am with you. God bless you. See y'all later. That was it. Shortest sermon you'll find in the Bible. But it touched their heart. It pricked their heart. It got their attention. I realized something last night. It was Haggai that prophesied to them that the second house would be greater than the farmer. And we understood, understand, it was talking about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, God's kingdom in people and not with people. They were accustomed to the earthly kingdom. He was going to build a spiritual kingdom. We understand that's what that prophecy means. But I thought of it last night, that if you think things are going well in your life right now, why don't you rebuild your commitment in the house of God and see what happens? 
You say, well, can I be more committed? All of us can. There's room in all of our lives. Things aren't going well in your life. Why don't you put a little more focus on the house of God? Why don't you put a little more focus on your relationship with God? And your life now will be better before than it was before. Your life now can even be better before than it was Babylon. It'll be better. It'll be better before Babylon ever came along. Because God has a way of honoring his word and realizing what priorities are and what obedience is changes everything. When God says, I am with you, he means that as long as you're doing his will, as long as you're obeying his purpose in your life. That's all they needed to know. It meant that God overlooked what they were doing. God said, you're good with all that. I'm good with all that. Start rebuilding the temple and see what happens. I am with you, declares the Lord. Everything I have shared with you so far has been from the Old Testament. But they all lead to the supreme promise. They all lead to the most supreme revelation that mankind has ever received from God, in my opinion. It's declared in the New Testament. I believe it was John in his gospel one of the gospels it may not have been John but the Bible said the writer named all the people who were rulers and the kings and the Caesar of Rome and the king over Judea and all of that mentions all these people but said the word of God skipped over all those people and came to somebody else in this case Matthew chapter 1 God even skipped over the rulers of the temple. He didn't go visit Caesar. He didn't go visit Pilate. He didn't go visit King Herod. He didn't visit none of those people. He didn't go visit the people in the temple. They had their moment with God, but not like this. An angel named Gabriel came to a little virgin girl. If y'all will give me some latitude and excuse me here today, it'd be like one of these girls sitting up here towards the front. This mighty, powerful angel slips into her house one night. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 1 verse 22, I want you to look at this. Now all this was done. Notice that first verse. Now all this was done. All of this, all of that Old Testament stuff, all of it, the Abraham, the Isaac, the Jacob, the Noah, the David, the Solomon, everybody, everybody, everything that happened. The, the tabernacle plan, Solomon's temple, Zerubbabel's temple, now it's Herod's temple. All of this happened. All this happened. Stuff, stuff, stuff everywhere. History that goes on and on and on for days and weeks and months. And you can study it all of your life. And, and the story is never ending. And you always dig up something new. The Bible said, all of this was done for one reason. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, here's those words again, God with us.
He did not choose to stay way out there in eternity somewhere and grow that old long white beard that people like to talk about and sit in this massive throne room somewhere in a heaven thrown out somewhere in the realm of eternity. He chose to robe himself in flesh and to make one simple statement. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. So let me ask today, what is our problem? What are you fighting? What are you dealing with? Do you realize that God of the universe is on your side right now? Y'all can be seated. Thank you. The whole point of the birth of Jesus, at least at this time in the Bible, was God's supreme way of perpetually saying, over and over and over I am with you and don't tell me that the fulfillment of those four words Jesus being born in a manger in Bethlehem and you know the whole Christmas story don't think for a minute that that didn't change everything because people are still talking about Jesus being born in a manger People still talk about Jesus being crucified on Calvary's cross. People still talk about the resurrection, that he resurrected from the dead. The long list of other gods that have been worshipped through the years died. A lot of them died. A lot of these men that lived and proclaimed them to be God. The Caesar of Rome claimed to be God. And on and on the list goes. They all died. And they're gone. He's still, he's still with us. I love the way Jesus concluded this story in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. He told the disciples, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And oh, I, yeah, let me, let me remind you. Let me remind you of something before I leave. One of the last things he said before he ascended back up into heaven. Oh, yeah, before I forget, I promised you the Holy Ghost. I promised you forgiveness of sins. I promised you I'm the fulfillment of the Old Testament lamb. I'm the fulfillment. I'm the atonement. I'm all of that. I'm all of that. Let me remind you one more thing before I leave. Even when I'm gone in your sight and you can't see me anymore, I'm still with you. Even to the end. Ethel Tear, God laid you on my heart Friday because he told me to tell you he's still with you. He's never left. Circumstances and situations in your life have changed and drastically changed this way and that way, good, bad, all of that. But God has not abandoned you. He's still with you. He wants you to know that today. You're still in the palm of his hand. There's someone else that God laid on my heart and they're not here today. And I'm sorry for that. At least I don't see them. 
Waylon and Shelly, I've come to tell you four simple words today from the Lord. He's telling y'all, I am with you. Don't sing like it like he's a million miles away and maybe he's gone and never coming back that's never happened and it never will happen God laid you people on my heart once you come to understand and accept that Jesus came to be God with us and then later on God in us Y'all understand that? Certainly today, if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you couldn't get away from God if you wanted to. You couldn't make him leave you alone. There, there, there's people here today that probably wish that, God, would you get out of my ear tonight so I can go to sleep? He won't leave you alone. He doesn't. doesn't matter. I want everybody to understand, even in sin, even in sin, God has set a precedent in the Bible that even when you sin, he's still with you. I've told the story before. Stand with me today. I'm done. I was preaching a revival years ago in North Carolina. After church, the pastor said, you and your wife going to our house, we'll be there after a while. They came in an hour or so later and began to tell the story his wife did that their worship leader at that time, who was a man, married, had a couple of kids, was persuaded to go instead of coming to revival that Saturday night, he went to a strip club with his friends, his military friends. When the pastor found out about it, he told his wife, let's go. We're gonna go get him. And him and his wife marched into that strip club and he walked up and sat beside him on a bar stool, sitting at a bar with a naked woman in front of him. And he tapped him on the shoulder just to tell him, even when you're here, God is still with you. I'm gonna tell you what, if I was ever in that situation and my pastor came and sat down beside me, I think that's one time I would excuse God from my life because of the embarrassment and humiliation but that pastor had a true shepherd's heart and he put his arm around that man and walked him out in the front and the man sobbed and cried and he came back that Sunday the next morning, the next morning at church and prayed back through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. His pastor worked with him back to a place of restoration. I want somebody to understand here today that even in sin, God doesn't leave you. When you have a bad attitude, he doesn't leave you. When you're going through a tough time, he doesn't leave you. He prophesied through Isaiah, said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. There's not a person in this house today that does not have a right to be here, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. When we come to the foot of the cross, we're all human. We've all sinned, 
and have fallen short of the glory of God. But that doesn't mean that God is not with you. Four words that change everything. So for those who are in the valley of despair, confused, maybe your family has threatened you, you've been persecuted, you've had your share of hardship, your time of difficulty family friends you fill in the blank whatever it is God is still with you he still loves you as much today as he ever has and he would certainly love nothing more right now than to hear your voice in his ear just simply replying with some more simple words have felt the presence of the Lord in this house obviously since service began and I know we haven't shouted and danced and run the aisles today none of that means that God is absent there's people here today that God is wanting to take you by the hand and bring you to a place in Him that you didn't think was possible live our traditions, we live our lifestyle, we live with our walls around us, we live in protect mode, we live in our false sense of security most of the time, and God has shown up that God, the most massive God, the God of the universe, that God created all things, is here to share you today, and He's with you, and He's with you, you'll hear it. As they begin to sing softly this morning, I hope, I hope he that hath an ear to hear is hearing the word of God today. There's people that need to hear that right now. You question. You question, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the God am I, am I going the right way? Am I, am I praying the right way? God is wanting you to know that he understands where you are and he's assuring you right now that he's with you. He's with you. He enabled you to be here today. He's, he's with you. So as they sing today, can we all gather around the front today? Some of you be mindful of who may be standing next to you. They may need that assurance that God is with them and maybe you can pray with them. Maybe you can help them today. Everybody come talk to the Lord. Everybody come pray right now. He's, he's with you. He's with you. still inside the storm. The promise of the shore. Sing it. Oh, yes. I trust the power of the word. If somebody would open your heart right now. Enough to seek the kingdom first. If you would open your mind Beyond right now. Things would be different Beyond when you leave here. God can change things in your mind. God can change water. things. Yes, would you worship him while they sing? Would you open your heart to him while they sing right now in Jesus' name? Oh, yes. Does anybody believe that right now? Does anybody believe that right now? God is with you. 
God is with you. Hallelujah. Yes, he is. Peace out. 